Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Electric Head podcast. Hello, Mr. Ronald. You can hear the luxurious, soft, silky <laughs> voice of oh, my good friend. Hello, Mr. Ronald. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, no, it's it's my alter ego as the lead singer of Thundercupboard. Oh, you got a female lead singer now. Yes, that's so. right. Yeah, my name is um, Susie Lightning. <laughs> Okay. Well, for those of you who have been keeping up with the career of Thunder Cupboard, the troubled, <laughs> dramatic career of Thunder Cupboard, uh, that's some exciting, some big news. They've got rid of Ketty Sparks and then uh, the other one. Who was the other one? Ketty Sparks' head exploded. Uh, we didn't get rid of him on purpose. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't turned off yet, <laughs> on with the podcast. <laughs> Science, turning science into magic, and then back again into more science. Oh, I'm loving your, your husky Tomorrow's World presenter voice there, Al. Uh, that is what, yeah, if any producers are listening, myself and Cy would like to present the new series of Tomorrow's World. And what, I, because you'll, you'll find we are like the H.G. Wells of comedy. What, what weird things we predict, come they happen. Is it a pattern? Day. It is so, Al. As I said to you before, what is it? What is it you say? Do you remember? Oh, patterns, is it? Patterns, you say. Patterns, you say. That's it. And then at some point, when you go on this mind-bending journey of discovery, like you're going to say to me, "Sigh." Is it like seeing the fingerprint of God? Not, not bad. Are we looking at the fingerprints of God? Good grief! The comedians are bare. Muppets reference. Oh. Don't worry. There'll be someone out there that finds yeah, that one. Listen, so now we get, we're really getting into pattern here. We're going to go on an epic, epic journey here, right? So this this may this may cover a couple of episodes. Just stop me. Just stop me if you can. But stop, is uh, that a challenge? That sounded like a challenge. Stop no, me if you can. Are you right? Go. Okay, so this now we're getting onto patterns. Uh, patterns, part you say. Patterns, I say. Here's the question for you. Okay. Yeah. Right, this is a biggie. Can the existence of God be proven for one pound eighty nine? No, it's not. He's a wearing a necktie. <laughs> what are you thinking? What? Sorry, that's another uh, Muppets reference. Stop it with the Muppet references. Sorry. Look, so uh, I'm going I'm to ask you a question here. So we all see these patterns. Are the patterns yeah. we see in the branches of trees? Patterns, you say. As I say, in arteries, the double helix structure of DNA, the galactic clustering of stars. Are they the logical outcome of natural principles or are they part of some grand design? Like we're looking at God's fingerprints, you yet, say. Yeah, okay, so have you ever had any Romanesco broccoli? Yes. No, Romanesco, you say. Yes, it is in its appearance. <laughs> it is a natural fractal. Okay, it is a logarithmic spiral with a self It's a natural fractal. It's yeah. a logarithmic spiral. It's a pyramid of pointed spiraling cones. You can buy a Romanesco broccoli for about £1.89. That does that prove the existence of God? Yes, it does. Patterns, you say. Patterns, I say. Right, is God a mathematician? No. 
right? Because there is a surprising order in chaos. Okay, there's there's an organizing principle, it seems, in nature. Like a headmaster, an organizing principle who's ordered some chaos. Exactly that. But what we what we're going to look at is uh, delivery. Uh, are there? Is there? Some people call it sacred geometry. Yeah, uh, oh, those people. Yeah, and and you know, <laughs> all right, don't put them down. I'm I'm with them here. We're exploring this together. Have an open mind, I said. <laughs> okay. Uh, and if if this is a design, these these patterns that we find, okay, uh, is there a cipher, a code, a message behind it? Um, is there? Well, this is what we this is what we're going to try and decide, isn't it? Okay. When you buy one pound eighty nine Roman, Romanesco broccoli, does that prove the existence of God, or is it just a tasty broccoli snack that you? I can... mean, I know where I what I think. I know what you think, probably, but I, okay. it proves the existence of God is what I think. Oh, that's what you that's what you actually think. OK, well, listen, I was actually an atheist and then an agnostic and then I got some broccoli and changed your mind. One pound. It can do that. Right. So life is inextricably interwoven with geometric forms. And the first thing I'm going to hit you, you say. What, what I'm going to hit you with here is cutting edge, right? This is cutting edge. Okay, so um, you have I'm to have, cut. I'm having trouble seeing because the, the, the lights, the lights staying in here. But here, so I'm going to say uh, cutting the edge of the pattern is tricky because it needs to match the other side of the pattern. <laughs> Just listen. Okay. Right, so physicists <laughs> who were cutting out a pattern. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, what were they making? They were making a uh, shawl, a uh, pashmina, actually, okay. uh, for uh, Professor Brian Cox. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. they accidentally cut the edge. Yeah. Uh, disaster. No, that's not where I was going to talk about. Oh, so I but have discovered a jewel-shaped geometric object, which is called an amplithahedron, Right. Uh, it's an intricate, multifaceted jewel in higher dimensions, and it is at the heart of. I had, a, I had a multifaceted jewel in a higher dimension once. Did you? With a space samurai. Oh, this is what happens, you see. <laughs> but listen, listen, this is true. An amplithahedron, yeah, this jewel shape basically is a, unifies everything. Yeah, it seamlessly connects the large and small scale pictures of the universe. Space and time seem to arise as a consequence of the jewel's geometry. What shape is it? Oh, it's hard to explain. Well, that's it. You can't really. It is kind of like you can see it mathematically. I've seen a picture of it. Is this is jewel. Like, where did it's they? Multi, it's multi-dimensional. So, where did they find this jewel? Was it in a cave or a mine or something? Uh, yeah, just no. It was actually in a. Um, or do you mean they just thought of it? No, it was in a charity shop. They were going <laughs> through. Uh, yeah, they were looking through some old boxes. These physicists in their lunch break, and then one of them said, "Here, Steve. Here, this. Steve. Look, this is an amplithahedron. Doesn't this you unify? Or that, that unifies all the theories of space and time. They they arise as a consequence of its encoded." In its volume are the most basic features of reality, Bob. How much is it, Steve? How much is how much is it? I don't think they know what they've got here. 
Yeah, I don't, it's only fifty pence. You got any I change? Really get it. Yeah, I got I, I got uh, thirty six ish in change. Okay, you do you pay tax? Because you'll have to do that thing where you, you fill could it just in. Give, I could just give her a pound. Yeah, you got to fill in that form now, haven't you, to give the what tax? What you got there, darling? Oh no, no, that shouldn't be in there. That's no, that's that's uh, that's my amplitheron, my amplitheron. Uh, yeah, oh. I need that. Oh, but Barbara, you've dropped your amplitheron in the. And the Hedron's supposed to be behind the counter in the glass bit. And it's not, so you'll have to, that's not 50p, love. It says 50p on here, love. It's oh, that's... a quid for it. No, it's that's... a quid for it. That's an amplithahedron. That's worth about 50 pounds. I'll take fiver. Have you got a fiver on you, Steve? You got a yeah, fiver? Yeah, I've got, I got a tenner. All right. Well, that'll be doing... Nice. Oh, accept that nicely, yeah. And here you get this dodecahedron for free. Did you know that in ancient Greece, uh, this platonic solid, uh, they thought encapsulated the entire universe. And this dodecahedron comes along with the amplithahedron. So oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks very much. All right. See yes, some, some bloke just some bloke just dropped him off last week. Yeah. Oh, here, look, I've got your lunch here, love. It's one of those Romanesco broccolis. Have a look at this, oh, love. lovely. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Are we... I can't believe this. We're not looking at the fingerprints of God, are we, Mort? Patterns, you say. Patterns, you say. Right, now, listen. We've subverted my science here. So, anyway, so, yes, but that is true, the amplithahedron. I mean, a lot of these things, these people seem to make quite an interesting discovery and then just take it too far. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But, you see, look at this. Look at If you look at the... It's, isn't it amazing that there are these patterns? That's that's what I that's what I kind of think. So I've got a nice little... Oh, I've got a nice little... Do you want me to finish on a nice little quote? I thought we'd finished. Yeah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Dream How Ronald's dreams speak whenever he's dreaming His girlfriend writes it down In a book I did a little remix there this time Yeah, that was good, I liked that yeah um it kind of had a bit more sort of uh life and excitement. yeah yeah i might actually do some yeah do some scratching i might wrap it next time <laughs> really okay i look forward no to i'm that. joking I'm okay right Are you ready for some dream speak i am i'm always this one comes from my subconscious in april 2013 Ooh. i'm sleeping and i say i just lightly tipped it over and my girlfriend goes, what did you tip over? And I said, a, a big box of fluorescent straws. <laughs> she says, oh, did they go everywhere, did they? And I say, it just had a bit of a chain reaction. Ended up with a long line of straws everywhere. The guy said, don't come back. And I was like, <laughs> we're not any trouble. Well, I know we are, but we didn't mean to be. And she said, <laughs> where was this happening? And I replied, a restaurant. <laughs> Very good. Well, I like, yeah, see, that's, that's a kind of, in terms of a dream, that's kind of like, 
a, f- a, f- a fear dream, isn't it? I mean, we we do have where it's like when you most people get one when you're naked and you're in a public place or, or something I was like that. <laughs> but I like the the phrase in there that they all lined up. So this to yeah. me, this is even though you tipped it over somehow. They they all went tip to tip in a yeah. lovely straight line across the floor. I wonder how the guy in the restaurant, how, how he said, don't come back. Was it like, don't come back? Or was it more like, don't come back? Don't come back. If you can't tip over the straws properly. So this, this is the first part, I think, of building the image of the restaurant of my mind. So, so far, we know that the restaurant of my mind has fluorescent straws and a very strict policy on behaviour. Yeah, maybe in other dream speaks we'll find out a bit what more. Do they, what what food do they serve in there? I mean, <clears throat> so uh, here's another one from. Do the you second... have to eat it with the fluorescent straws like? We don't know yet. We don't Sorry. know yet, but Sorry. hopefully the answers will become clear, and we'll be able to paint a full picture sometime in the future. Okay, this one has no context. Just so you're aware, I say. <laughs> Do any of them? <laughs> no, some of them have particularly no context. So this one says, I don't know what to put because everyone's at risk of snakes. <laughs> I feel like I'm filling out a form or something. And my girlfriend yeah. says, I, I can hear that. My girlfriend says, why are they at risk of snakes? And I say, killers and turtles and snakes and stuff. <laughs> So uh, this looks like it's some kind of risk assessment form. <laughs> and somebody yeah. has said, they said, do you know what I mean? They said, our, 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 say we're going to perform, like when we did the London Horror Festival or whatever, it says, are any of your performers particularly uh, <laughs> attractive to venomous snakes? Or, yeah, and you're and like, turtles yeah. and snakes and stuff. I'm like, everyone's at risk of snakes. Obviously, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's there's vicious turtles and terrapins and, and all sorts of things on the I attack. like that uh, there's kind of a, a theme there. Snakes, turtles, uh, but killers. Killers, <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> I mean, well, I've made it sound like it's part of the same family. I don't know, though, you know, because I think turtles are kind of harmless, aren't they? Oh. Just lovely... Kind well, of floating around. Oh, lovely you've creatures. been frightened by a turtle, haven't you? A tortoise? A tortoise. That's different. Turtles, They're are they? They're <laughs> Tortoises. Well, actually, terrapins, red-eared terrapins are killers. They. I once saw well, some... There footage. you go. Yeah, so the red-eared terrapins, terrifying. Yeah, yeah okay, they are killers. This is a short one. Okay. Uh, see, see what you can unpack here. Uh, this is all me talking. I just go, huh, that's quite funny. Hydraulic frogs. <laughs> yeah, well, that see in itself that is just a brilliant phrase, isn't it? Hydraulic, Hydraulic frogs. frogs. It's a good it. band name. It's an excellent band name. It's an excellent song name as well. Yeah, and Hydraulic I feel like um, maybe now hear me out. Uh, frogs are somewhat hydraulic in the fact that they have all the energy stored up and then they spring. You know, they hold. Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, I think his name, first name is Louis Volta, who was one of the first people to uh, sort of work on electricity. He used to put the volts through the frog to make the frog's limbs almost hydraulically from the fluid that was inside the frog, I guess, and the muscles. I I suspect maybe he had the same dream as me then. Do you think so? And do you know what? To go further. That experiment was what influenced Mary Shelley, part of what influenced her to write Frankenstein. Well, there you go. 
So we. So it's all starting to make sense. And Frankenstein, the film of that, did that not influence you to do your film? It just it, it influences me generally. Maybe I had that dream before I made my Frankenstein-inspired movie. Yeah, that's it's, quite funny. Hydraulic I, frogs. Hydraulic <laughs> Wait frogs. a minute! I wanted to do a Frankenstein flash. <laughs> hydraulic frogs are endlessly inspirational. Yeah. So if anyone wants to draw a, a hydraulic frog, uh, that would be quite interesting, I think. Or if anyone wants to invent a hydraulic frog that you can ride, <laughs> that would be even better. That would be amazing. Uh, I, do have, I did once uh, a garden center when I was young. Load a hydraulic frog. Well, <laughs> to I, a garden center. I this fell into a pond that contained a hydraulic frog. Really? Yeah, so there was like a little pond and it had a, a hydraulic, I think you would call it hydraulic. So it was like a plastic thing, but it had like an, an air supply. So every like f- few minutes, like every five minutes, the hydraulics would go, it would fill, it would bubble and then the frog would float to the surface and then the air would leave it and it would go back down. And, yeah, uh, did they probably use, it would actually be hydraulic if it used the water to flex yeah. its limbs. Otherwise, I'm afraid, I think, um, to get it's a science nerdery here, I think it's pneumatic if it uses air. Oh. <laughs> Hydraulic is hydro, so it's uh, water. Oh, maybe it did use the water, though. It probably did, so I think it probably was a hydraulic frog, so and that's what I was standing mind. at the railing waiting for this frog to come up, because it was quite intimidating when you were a little kid, this yeah. <laughs> So and nice I was waiting for, and I slept on the railing. I still held on, but my legs went through the railing into the water just oh. as the frog bubbled up, oh. and it, it really, it really made me upset. Yeah, um, that's a so Maybe, uh, although I say that's quite funny, hydraulic frog. Uh, I think that's just me putting on a brave face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really funny. The hydraulic frog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's another dream speak. Do you want to wow. sing us out? Dream, Al Ronald's dream speak whenever he sees a hydraulic frog, he runs away screaming. Hello there, boys from the head. Hello, hi there, guys. How are you hey, doing? Captain Blubberhouse and uh, Colonel Western, no, Captain Western. Get Colonel it right, Colonel. you fool, Ronald. Arr, we'll have, we'll kill all you. We'll have you here, listeners, the two-headed time-traveling pirate. Die. Do you fancy whipping away? Actually, this week? yeah, it was. Uh, it's my turn. Get aboard, Mister Hensy. Okay, yeah, Come on. Me, I'm, right. I'm, I'd like to love to go and see uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar uh, Allan Poe, eh? Yeah, if that's okay. That sounds fantastic. Hop aboard, Mr. Hedge. Hop aboard. No, the time's going a poem. down to Virginia, the ah. United States of America. Ah. Off we go. There you go, Mr. Henty, right down there. That's the House of Poe. Oh. You can tell because there's lots of bats and cobwebs and spooky stuff. Off you go, Mr. Hedy! <laughs> oh, phew. Yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. You lo- Are you here to visit Mr. Poe? Yes, I am. Well, if you'd like to follow me to the house, I'm an usher. Oh, and you're going to show me in? I will uh- light the way with my candlelight into the house of Poe. Follow oh, me as yeah. I usher westward. 
Oh, let's get through these rushes. Watch out for the bushes. The bushes and the rushes. Oh, did you see that little thrush? Anyway, here we are at the door of Poe, and I will now disappear into a puff of confusion. That's great. Right. Should I? I guess I'm going to um, knock on the. I hope he doesn't think I'm a raven. I'm going to knock on the. I'm going to knock on the door here. Well, hello there. Oh, hello. I know. I recognise you. Must be um, Ed, Edgar Allan Poe. That is absolutely correct. I'm the famous first writing man of the Gothic spook literature. Well, you know, I, I grew up with your with your work. Uh, Ed. Do you mind if I call you Edgar or Alan? I, I always get confused. Uh... I prefer if people, I say people refer to me as Edel. Edel. Okay. Um, now, uh, Edel, uh, yeah, I've been a big fan of your, of your work for many years. I, I've read all your stories. and Why don't you come in for a little cup of tea? Spooky tea, mind you. Spooky tea, okay, yeah. I'd, I'd Come like... in and sit down here in the dining room. Oh, this and, is uh, lovely. You've got a nice crackling fire going on there. And, and... I've given you the special black china. Oh, that's amazing. This is God, you can see your face in that. That's, that's lovely, yeah, isn't it? It's just like a mirror to the soul, I like to say. Is this made out of obsidian? Is this like a black obsidian cup? Amazing. I mean... Many people say that I might be going mad, but I assure you that I am not. No, you, I mean... I am simply becoming insane with long intervals of horrible sanity. Uh, so, uh, can, 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 can I ask you, is there anything you're working on at the moment, Mr. Mr. Edel? I'm working on a long story about a bird, you see. Oh. And I think it's going to be called the raven, but I'm stuck, you see, because for the, for the life of me, I say for the life of me, I cannot get my head around what that bird should be saying. Right. Um, well, uh, never, never you mind about it. Um, I'll tell you some of the things I've come up with okay, so far, shall yeah. Well, so it goes like this. The, the bird's sitting atop of his chamber door, and okay. it's, quoth the raven, get away, you silly boy. God, I don't yeah. know about No, I'm not going for it. that one. Uh, never, never mind, never mind. Quoth but, the raven. Get those pencils sharpened pronto. Mm, yeah, that's not really, that's not kind of, you need a, bit, a little bit more, maybe a bit more ambiguous, a bit more spooky, Mr. Mr. Um, Mr. Edel. Okay, uh, quote the raven. Whoa. Yeah, actually, that could, do you know what, that kind of actually works for me. I kind of like, like that. that one. Yeah, like, do the raveny sound again. Quote the raven. Oh, yeah, I like that. And with your black garb and your black kind of hair, it, you almost look ravenish, if I may say. Well, I do fashion myself on a bird of some kind. I like to walk around the town square pecking at small pieces of discarded food. And yeah, well, whatnot. you've got those little um, kind of birdy feet, haven't you? Those little talons. I can see them at the bottom of your right. black trousers there. And uh, no, this beak may be looking real to you, but do not be fooled, for this is simply a strap-on beak. 
Ah, it's just a, it's just a strap on. But I have painted my eyebrows to appear as raven-like as possible. Yeah, they are almost Ooh. like. Oh, they're almost like raven wings. Oh, you've jumped up onto the top of the um, chair and you're you're hanging now on. Now I will wander around the dining table, pecking at the sweet corn and the bread pieces. Please, okay. will you join me, Mister Hente, for a delicious meal? Thank you, sir. I do declare you are a fine gentleman. Peck, gentleman. I say gentleman. Very kind, Peck Peck. Now, I was going to say, you came up with a phrase which was, I'm just trying to think. Oh, what was it? One of my. Uh, you know when you stood on the edge of a, a clifftop and you're looking over and you get the oh the imp of the perverse. Ah, uh, the imp of the perverse. Yes, yep. I know it well. I have him here. In fact, he is just <laughs> underneath oh, the table. Hey, come on out, Sesame. I didn't He's know he was called a... Sesame. He's a very small <laughs> imp. Oh, he's a real guy. Hello, Mr. Henty. All right. Oh, my God. He's got a he's got a whip and he's wearing those kind of black studded... You're a very pretty man. Oh, oh. oh. Get off my leg. Get off my leg. I suggest that you let Sesame suck on at least one of your nipples, Mr. Uh, Henty. I'd like to. You really are a perverse little I can see that the imp Sesame, the imp of the perverse, and yourself, Mr. Hente, are in love with a love that is more than love. That's an excellent line. I'm going to write that one down. Get off me. Will you stop suckling at the nipple? Oh, this little imp, he's a, he's a real devil, isn't he? He's a real, uh, oh, yeah. He's a real devil, all right. Oh, just take that mask off that 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 red mask that you're that you're you're wearing as well oh, this, you uh... can't remove that mask mr henty or you will see the face of the devil himself <laughs> the devil himself oh, don't God. mind that noise that's just a heart beating underneath my floorboards my god this is, is that me this yeah, is no i did hear a i did hear a kind of kind of hard it's almost as if it hang on it's beating in in uh in in uh what's it morse code it's it's telling it it's telling some kind of tale in morse code it's a it's a telltale heart yeah oh my goodness what a fantastic idea mr Hente. i am going to keep you and suckle you for ideas with sesame the imp of the perverse oh, I, don't, I don't want to i don't really please sesame don't, take mr Henty to the no. perverse cage let me let me out of here i gotta get out let me put you in the cage mr Henty. Oh, no don't you can't put me in that what's cage what's going on down there mr Henty? is that gorilla troll trying to put you in the cage Declare it's a perverse imp, but it's trying to get me into some little cage. Get off me! It's not a sex cage. I refuse to get off me, Edel. Get off me. Get out of the way. Cage, Mr. Henty. Get in my sex cage. Ah, I'm ah, gonna, ah, I'm gonna ah, jump ah, on its back and I'll, I'll fly up to you, Western Macaw. Get up here, Mr. Henty. It's mad. Ah, there is gothic and hell. Ah, ah, I'm flying on this raven. I'm flying up towards you. A raven! To the galleon. Never more. Wait a moment, that's a good one too. Get that handy back. I want to suckle him for more ideas. I'm, take, I'm, I'm, taking, this raven. Board, I'm taking this raven with me, Edel. Get on oh. board. Get on board. Oh. 
Thank goodness, lads. That oh my was God, awful. you nearly got yourself trapped in a sex cage again. I know. I got again. I got. I was getting suckled by a perverse imp. I had this. I, I, oh, that'll be Sesame. I forgot to warn you about him. Oh, well, you could have. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we, we, we meant to warn you about the old sexy old imp down there. Arr. Shall we whip you back now, Mister? If you could whip me back, please. All right, Colonel Blubberhouse, uh, hoist the time sails and so let's get whipping back, shall we? Whipping back, whipping back. Oh, I of old time. Right, here we are back in 2020, Mr. Hedy. I'm going to take this raven with me. I'll fly down on that if that's okay, right. guys. I'll talk to you boys soon. Enjoy the rest of your electric toilet. That's what you boys are. I'm coming down on my oh, raven. Like, oh, my. What? Was that a gift from Edgar Allan Poe? Oh, I had to or as I hear he likes to be called. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I had to I had to get away. It was all a, a bit crazy. Uh, yeah, you know he came up with that thing about the imp of the perverse. Well, he actually yeah. keeps a perverse imp under his table. No. Yeah. And he was pecking around and, oh, God, I, 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 it was, yeah, really shocking. Suckle gothic ideas from your nipples, was he? Yeah, I'm afraid so, and he got a he got a few. Uh, Still, I think it takes a strange sort of mind to come up with "Quoth the Raven." Yeah, because that's his famous line, isn't it? Yeah, "Quoth the Raven." I always like because I had the story tape as "Quoth the Raven." "Quoth the Raven," isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because he didn't have a raven because I stole it. Quoth so didn't he change it raisin. to "Quoth the Raven." Quoth the raisin. Paranormal, oh yes, it's paranormal. Oh yes, a paranormal. Here he comes in his leotard. It's paranormal. That's me. Brilliant. Ooh. Ooh, I think we're getting there with that. Yeah, that was all right. We're working on these jingles. Right. Today's <laughs> Paranormal, we've been in the world of Hans Holzer for a while now. We have. Um, and what a spooky world it's been. It's, isn't I, it? I love his beginnings and his endings. Yes, yeah. we might go back to Hans Holzer, but for this one, this is a particularly exciting Supernatural because it involves me personally. Ooh. So, and then I... I'm going to try and be Hans Holzer and I have a strong beginning yeah. and a strong end. So this is, is this a true story? This is a true story. Yeah. Ah, okay. <clears throat> well, true as in, well, you, you can judge for yourself what's true and what isn't. That's the whole point of paranormal. Okay. So this is the story of Al in the Sultan's massacre house. Ah, yeah. Myself and my girlfriend were staying in New Orleans uh, a couple of years ago, and now a friend of ours is a film producer, and it just so happened that he was making a film in New Orleans at the time that we were going to be there, because, you know, they spend months making stuff. So what he does is when he's when he's working on a production, he gets the production to rent him somewhere, 
um, for the duration of the film. So he always tries to get somewhere quite cool because he knows that it's not him that has to pay for it. So in this particular thing, we were staying with him and we kept asking him, can you send us details of where it is we're staying? And he sent us a link to a website which had a ghost story. Uh, the title of the ghost story was The Sultan's Massacre House. So we read this story and then said to him, is this where we're staying? And he's like, yes, it is. Oh my word. So this um, place, it's in the French Quarter in New Orleans. So it's just off Bourbon Street. So it's like, you know, right in the heart of New Orleans. Bourbon Street. Oh yeah, I know it well. Yeah. And it is right around the corner from the LaLaurie Mansion, which is one of the most famous uh, houses in New Orleans. So here's the story of the house, the Sultan's Massacre House. So it's... Uh, this building, the story is that in 1792, a mysterious stranger sailed into New Orleans and asked to rent the most expensive mansion that, that was available. And supposedly he was the he claimed to be the brother of a Turkish sultan who had sailed to New Orleans and demanded the best. So they put him in this mansion, which at the time it would have been one of the most prestigious kind of houses. It's like a three or four floor building. Yeah, can so I picture it, I'm trying to picture it. Has it got like those kind of French balconies and exactly, the shutters on the windows? Exactly, and, uh, shutters on the windows, the sort of ornate French balconies. Yeah, I love those Colourful. So the, the whole place is like that, but this at the time would have been one of the most you know, ostentatious. Uh, indeed. Uh, so this guy apparently moved into this place and he brought with him treasures and priceless artworks and a whole harem of women and his own guards who would stand outside the house and guard the house. Uh, and similar, he, to, similar to my lifestyle. Exactly. Uh, to be it fair, became, yeah. It became known as the Sultan's Palace and he even barred the windows so he put bars over the windows as well and so as time went on is that to stop people robbing his treasures i imagine maybe or maybe. the harem escaping or the harem escaping <laughs> we don't yeah. know so basically he would hold what they thought were crazy parties so all this music and singing and dancing and just wild party would be coming from this building uh, but nobody was ever invited and nobody was ever allowed in or out because it was guarded by you know by the guy's guard so yeah. everyone knew that that was the sultan's palace and that there was these insane loud parties going on and everyone it's new orleans people just got used to it um yeah, yeah. So supposedly uh people just allowed it to continue but then one night and this gives you some idea of how much of a party town new orleans is the party went quiet and everyone at that point got worried <laughs> right yeah they didn't care about all the noise and the music screaming and screaming and everything else it was when it was just like oh god what's something happened? must be wrong yeah so um so yeah apparently one night it just all went quiet and nobody knew what happened and all the guards had disappeared from outside the house so it was completely quiet and apparently this is how the story goes. Some of the neighbors went to investigate and as they approached the gates of the house, uh, so it's like a sort of um, gate on an archway that has steps that go up. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I can picture so it. They would open it and blood was seeping out from under the door and was gushing down the steps. Oh, and the story yeah. is that there was so much blood that it crossed the street and went down the street. Uh, so obviously they called the police this is gruesome, Al. This is... And uh, 
the police knock down the door. It's going to get more gruesome. Brace yourself, everyone. Okay. So the police knock down the door, and apparently inside the building, they just found a massacre. Uh, hence the name, the Sultan's the Massacre. House. So I get, I get so it. Apparently, there was the walls were covered in blood. All the guards had been beheaded. The harem was all killed, and probably worse. You know, all here's the thing though: all the treasure had disappeared and the artwork and the sultan was never discovered however the story goes that while the police were investigating the scene they found a hand poking out of the soil in the courtyard of the building and supposedly the sultan had been buried alive so hang on a minute how did they get all the treasure out? Is the and the artworks and stuff. Well, That's here the... here are some of the theories uh, in your. So like now, uh, it's apartments now, so it's all been refurbished. So this is where we were staying. Uh, so this was yeah. Oh, so we were staying in. In fact, we were sleeping in the basement of the Sultan's Massacre House. Did it make it... you a little bit uh, kind of knowing that story? Did it make you kind of a bit edgy, a bit nervous, or super excited? But yeah. here's interesting is because it's such a famous story in New Orleans uh, the ghost tours which are really popular over there would come around and stand outside the house every 10-15 <laughs> minutes so we would obviously make screaming noises and make all the kind of noise we could if we were in uh, but the best day was one day when I woke up and uh, the bars are still on some of the windows and I'm you know getting dressed and I look out and a Segway tour comes along to all these people on Segways uh, being told about the massacre house and I'm just brushing my teeth in the window <laughs> <laughs> but the theory is that maybe pirates had supposedly a pirate ship was docked in the in New Orleans at that time supposedly uh, and they'd heard the story ah lads let's get in there and let's, that, West let's steal the storage treasure come on blubber house uh, the other is that it wasn't actually the Sultan that it uh, oh no sorry because it was the Sultan's brother this guy um, I don't know if he I stole the, I've got this he stole all the stuff from his brother so his brother sent some people to take revenge and get the treasure back yes this is the other theory yeah uh, that makes sense When what I quite like to do when I'm in any place as you know from my Hans Holzer book is I always look at local ghost stories and local stuff because I think sometimes even if you don't believe in it you learn so much about a place from yeah. the ghost stories that happen there so I was really interested in this so we went around like all the gift shops and New Orleans have ghost stories and you know yeah I, do, I mean I do the same as you Al to be honest if, if I'm going somewhere I always want to look at the weird and, and wonderful exactly. uh, aspects and history of of the place that I'm visiting I mean it just it just makes it really interesting and fascinating doesn't it so I was looking in all these shops for uh, New Orleans folklore and it did have a little like some of it would have like one page on the massacre house uh, but because there's not really a ghost story tied to it, it's more of a murder house, um, they didn't really have that much about it, so I wasn't really... But anyway, we found a little second-hand bookshop uh, not too far from the house, and we'd already been there about a week, so we stumbled upon this tiny little place, and we went in, and it was one of those old bookshops, you know, the perfect bookshop where everything's piled up, there's no order to anything. You just have to spend hours and hours just looking yeah, through. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's that's my favourite uh, yeah. time to spend 
a day, really. There appeared to be no order to any of it, but they did have a little occult section, and so I was looking through hoping to find something, but they, they didn't have anything on the Massacre House. And then my girlfriend, I was looking through some other books, and I could hear my girlfriend, she went to the front desk, and she said to this little guy at the desk, I don't suppose you have any books on local... Um, ghost stories or supernatural or murder stories or anything like that and he went no I don't believe we do ma'am that was his voice do you like it I do I, I heard this and went no oh, that's a shame so I started looking he goes oh actually we do have this one book but I don't know if you would be interested in that and I, of course I'm round the corner going oh my god this is incredible and uh he went down behind the desk and he took out this book, which I'm holding up to sign now, which is wrapped in paper. And he goes, we got this one book, which is about the Sultan's brother and the massacre house. Wow. And cool. I instantly came running around the corner like, oh my goodness. So I'm going to... And let me thing. just... He's unwrapping it. This is blood-soaked paper. <laughs> uh, just to let you know. Uh, how nice you can describe it. it looks like chinship wrapping. See so them. what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a very old book it, it, with a kind of embossed cover, but there's nothing on it. Oh, but the other side, there is a drawing of a tree, and it says here in very old kind of writing, it's a beautiful old book, uh, Legends of Louisiana. Ah, uh, there you go. And it's a beautiful. Uh, the the tree has been beautifully drawn on the, on the front. It looks like an old kind of hangman's uh, tree or something. It's a spooky looking book, isn't it? And yeah, you, you yeah. You feel like sure. it's been out drying in the sun of Louisiana for quite. And some there's time. there's a leather. It's leather bound, uh, obviously with real leather skin. Or so sorry to obviously, that. the Sultan's skin. Out, so the, uh, as a vegetarian, but yeah, you can see from... the crenellations in the in the cover. So the book is printed in New Orleans. It's from 1922. Oh, it's got a marbled inside front. It does. Uh, yeah. Front cover bit as well. And so the, there's two stories in it. There's the romance of the royal oak, and then the second story you can see there is the is brother of the, the sultan. The brother of the sultan. And so it has. There's only one picture in the book, and that is a picture there of the massacre house oh my god wait and in the bottom window you're not going to believe this everyone al is cleaning his teeth there's al it's actually <laughs> I, in we the did, actually well we were there we we took a recreation of this photo with us in it um so those bottom windows uh i might put a picture of this up on facebook that's where we were sleeping and you can see the caption i don't know if you can read that it says, yeah the house of tragic mystery so uh, 10 out of 10 on TripAdvisor for this uh, particular location. So if you're ever in New Orleans, stay in the Massacre House. It's, it's you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a that's an amazing book. Al, can we on another episode? Can we have the part of the story, some of the story? Yeah, we can tell the story. So actually, what's interesting, not to ruin anything, but uh, they think that perhaps this book might be where the origin of the story came because there's not really that many records that it actually happened there are theories that maybe the police covered it up that you know there's all these kind of theories but there's also theories that maybe this book is the origin of the story ah uh, so like it influenced reality yeah because yeah. that does that does happen a lot it's like with the sweeney todd thing isn't it uh 
I don't think there was people began to believe there was a real Sweeney Todd, and some people still do believe that. But it but was actually from the Penny Dreadfuls in the Ghost of the Sultan. Does that mean that potentially, even though it never happened, that the Ooh. ghost could then be conjured? Yeah, well, we did look at this in in um, in time travel. I think that the objects, exactly. according to quantum physics, can actually come into existence. Uh, that can actually happen. So, yeah, uh, definitely, fiction can affect reality. Reality can affect fiction. Um, well, obviously, <laughs> that was it, it, sm- it smells like it <laughs> smells like Louisiana. This book it has got like a real kind of honeysuckle smell Just to it. Put it to the screen. Let me have a little sniff. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can really. Yeah, get that. so the, I think. This is the best souvenir we could have got, uh, but kind of weird that it's the only one he had behind the desk. Is yeah. if I thought something else, we went back looking for that bookshop, and we couldn't find it. No, that's not true. Yeah, it is true. We couldn't it? find it. Uh, that, yeah, see, that could be Freudian, uh, <laughs> or not. Yeah, Sigmund Freudian for getting things said that, that that often you can avoid places that have an impact. Do you know what though? I well, I was once looking for a bottle of uh, bikini rum in a in a little newsagent shop, and the, um, and and the guy said there were there were it didn't exist, uh, and I'd seen it in there. And then when I pulled back a couple of bottles, there was the bikini rum hidden at the back. Very similar. Very similar. Almost <laughs> identical. Um, but yeah, one thing that's... And we were slightly scared when we bought this book to then take it back into the house. Oh, yeah. But nothing happened. Although we did get locked out one day, but maybe that's a story for another time. Right. <laughs> Was there anyone in there to lock it? No. So I, I just let the door shut behind me. You idiot. Sai, <laughs> <laughs> time for another true factual anecdote. Some people have actually asked the anecdotes that we do. We do need to make clear that it, they are all absolutely true. I thought today we could discuss some amusing incidents involving food, because I've got a couple of things that I've done. Hi. Uh, one of them, very, it's not even really an anecdote. I just want to kind of express uh, my own stupidity on this is that at one point when I was young, I really wanted to see what the inside of an egg looked like. I say young, I was probably about 15 <laughs> or 16. And when I say yeah. what the inside of an egg looked like, what I mean is obviously you could crack an egg, and I'd seen what the inside of an egg looks like many right. times for but i was interested to see what the inside of an egg looked like whilst it was still encased in the egg but yeah see, that makes sense yeah, now yeah. i've got you thinking right because i'm thinking does the yolk sit in the middle does it slide about the edge i don't yeah. know like I've, you've you know, got a scientific mind there a little probing scientific mind yeah, well you? my method of seeing into it was slightly less scientific right uh, so <laughs> i did i took an egg from the fridge uh, I'll just to set the scene, my parents were in the front room as this was going on, and I probably went into the kitchen to prepare a cup of tea or something like that. And, and I thought, thought to myself, and then you thought to yourself, my brain was just wandering, and I thought, I never will ever see the inside of an egg whilst the egg is still sealed. And I kind of want to know what's going on there. So I took the egg, took it out the fridge, can't see through an egg. That was clear straight away. And then I thought, maybe I'll hold it up to the light. So I held it up to the the light of the fridge a little bit, you know, inside the fridge and thought, nope, still can't see it. So then I held it above my head, quite high above my head, uh, between myself and the light, 
just to see if I could see anything moving, at which point the egg slipped out of my fingers onto my face and uh, <laughs> broke broke Classic. onto my face. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, literally so the had the yolks egg. on you, diddly, did exactly. no, So, yeah, that was... It's fun. weird when you've got something coming towards you that that's... that's that close. This was actually I've got got off slightly, but just uh, well, once upon a time I uh, I was uh, <laughs> a boy, I had like a boiler seat and I had to distress it to make it look like it was an old one uh, for a film we were making, and um, you, you on which on which I met Al actually. So I decided the best way to distress it and and make a, sort of some rips through it was to get a pair of scissors <laughs> and pull the uh, material away from myself while the scissors pointed at my own face. <laughs> Which is a good idea. So that when the material actually gave way, the scissors were heading straight towards my eye. And what, what was worse was it wasn't even my... Uh, I, have two, I have one really bad eye, my right eye. It was towards my left eye, which was my good <laughs> eye. So I panicked. I had a split second where I had to, like, dodge my own hand <laughs> speeding towards me with a pair of scissors in. And, uh, and luckily, it just managed to stick in. The scissors just stuck into my eyelid. The top of my eyelid. It actually stuck into your eyelid. Yeah, top of my eyelid. And That's I was filming the next day. So I then had to go blind to uh, to casualty, eye casualty. Um, and I couldn't, couldn't see anything because I had all bloody... And I thought, oh, my God, I've blinded myself. Luckily, uh, they managed to... <laughs> it wasn't as bad as it as it looked. It bled quite a lot. But, yeah, scary times. But anyway... And you're the, a father. I know, I know. <laughs> Such a fool, aren't I? What a stupid thing to do. You think I would have done it? The scissors never point the scissors towards your face. Well, you know, mine, my faux pas was in the name of science. Yours was in the name of art. That's how these things happen. I think Van Gogh was doing the same thing when he cut his ear off. Yeah, he was, he was actually just trying to cut open an egg. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I hear. Okay, so I've got another food incident involving curry which is one of the worst incidents to have Ooh. that are food related uh so this was when again these stories all sound like i was about 10 uh but no i was actually uh somewhat he's looking, he's looking sheepish uh ladies I and think, gentlemen i think i was about <laughs> 16 when this one happened right okay and uh so this is back in the day when we had landline so we had one phone in the front room and then my parents had a phone up in their bedroom so on this particular day, I was talking to one of my friends on the phone. So I was upstairs in my parents' bedroom having a chat. And uh, it must have been a weekend because we quite often would get takeaway, you know, like a Friday night curry or something like that. Nice. So on this particular occasion, uh, because someone had phoned, I was eating this curry upstairs whilst on the phone in my parents' bedroom. And I'm eating it out of the metal container, you know, you eat from. Yeah. And for some reason, when that phone call ended... It, maybe it was a stressful phone call. I don't really know. But I took my curry, uh, which I believe I remember it well, was a chicken korma because I wasn't vegetarian back then either. You know, a kind of yellow, you know, that yellowy Yeah, korma. I know. Yeah, with the with the coconutty flavour. It's nice. Yeah. It's quite sweet it's and nice. Delicious. Yeah. So I... But a yellowy sauce. There was no seats in my parents' room apart from the bed. 
Uh, and for some reason, because there was no seats, I decided to eat this while sitting on an exercise bike, which was also <laughs> so, <laughs> I sat on the exercise bike and the it was one of those indoor ones where the wheel is sort of contained, you know, it has like two panels on each side of the wheel. Yeah. So that when you cycle, there's like a ribbon that spins and it blows air out of the wheel. I think I can see where this is going. <laughs> and I started cycling a little bit, you know, just casually, and then getting up a bit of speed, still eating a curry, which I'm holding. And then immediately the curry falls out of my hands and it's like I saw it in slow motion. Oh. And it fell onto the wheel of the bike the curry and this all happened in a split second the curry went into the wheel which i was cycling at oh, a pretty and then fast it rate. churned it all it up and it became the a catherine wheel of korma <laughs> it's a korma catherine wheel oh, so not only, wheel. Look at and that. it came out the sides and it so uh, it literally uh, uh. formed a straight line of korma up down the carpet, up the wall, across my head, and then straight down the middle of me. <laughs> and then it came out and hit the wall and the bed. And I you just know, sat there. I <laughs> just couldn't believe it had happened. You know, that is so funny. That that just sounds like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Scarily. sitting there in this lovely cream, bearing in mind I'd been told not to eat upstairs in case I spilt my food. Oh. And I just sat there, and I don't know how long I sat there, <laughs> and I just thought, oh my God, I am in so much trouble. Yeah, I believe um, you are. And so uh, I believe I probably swore quite a bit. And I don't know if I made some noise. I don't know what happened, but one of my parents shouted up, Al, or Alan, is it, are you okay? Uh, and I'm like, yeah, fine. No worries. Like, are you going to bring your food down? I'm like, yeah, I'll be down in a minute. Thank you. Oh. And it was like a, some mothers do Avam sketch or something like that, you know? So I was then uh, standing on top of chairs, trying to reach the ceiling with a stick, with a uh. towel on the end of it. But it just created this yellow ring. Around the, around the whole room, and uh, I couldn't it. get rid of it. So in the end of it, I thought I'd cleaned it enough, and I just left. And uh, this is hours later. No one checked. No one came up. Uh, and I just went to bed thinking maybe they won't notice. Maybe they won't notice. And my dad came in my room saying, "Why is there a yellow curry stain around the entire?" <laughs> Oh, I can imagine the, the right, sense exactly. of panic in your it, it, <laughs> you felt at that moment. Uh, the worst part is that I managed to clean it up with their help. And I remember being in the room with all of them trying to bleach stuff and just like the most stressful cleanup operation ever. It was like reservoir dogs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then the worst part is that I didn't clean the inside of the bike properly. So oh, the next time my mum got on oh, her oh, the same thing happened again. It happened again with some old chicken korma. I love the the korma Catherine wheel is a good one to end on. <laughs> if your parents say don't eat curry in their bedroom, trust me on this one. They're right. Listen to yeah. them. And don't whatever you do. Don't eat it on an exercise bike, because why would you? <laughs> well, it burns off the calories. As you're eating them. So it's I like eating. So you could have just had a stick of celery, as we mentioned before, because that I takes as much do. energy to eat. as it. I always burn off my calories as I ingest them. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, yes. <laughs> I like to run with pizza and... Uh... <laughs> I always take a mac stuffing the pizza down your face. <laughs> I always take a macaroni and cheese to the gym.
<laughs> right, yeah. And did you, uh, yeah, because of course you had that uh, lasagna and you did that marathon, didn't you? <laughs> you did the big yeah. lasagna. Yeah, came last, but yeah. delicious. Delicious, delicious running. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks, thanks so much. Us. I hope, hope you enjoyed. We had some good phrases there. We had a hydraulic frog. We had a Corma Catherine wheel. With, <laughs> with, uh... This show has everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything you need for a good night in. Uh, follow us on The Electric Head on Facebook. Uh, what's the other one? Electric Head Comedy on Instagram. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think of the podcast and maybe yeah. suggest some top fives. Or, yeah, uh, all top fives. Um, whip away if you'd like to visit some people in history. Yeah, whip know. away. Why? Yeah, we could do. Yeah, just, just uh, yeah, give us some more names. Don't give us any facts, just names. <laughs> just names. We don't need facts. <laughs> we don't Where need to facts. We don't need facts. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm waving well, again. I don't know why well, I'm waving. Well. Bye. Well.